right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Chuck Goes to the Movies. We're doing a special edition episode today where my buddy Dan is going to be joining us, and we're not going to be talking about any particular movie or filmmaker that has impacted our lives or influenced our love for movies. We're just going to be talking movies. So, hello, Danimals. How are you? Good to see you, Chuckles. Good to see you. Always good to see you. Uh, I miss you, buddy. And I'm glad we're able to do this. And I'm glad you're finally on my show. Absolutely. If there's one, if there's one time where we can't be in the theater to, to hate on movies, this, this is it. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's talk about that real quick. So in the theater, hating on movies. Let's not talk Star Wars because that one's too obvious. Um, it's just going to make me angry. Yeah, it's just going to make me angry. Batman versus superman dawn of justice so i remember going to see that with you i did yep i think i fell asleep during part of it did we see justice league 2 or just that one no just uh dawn of justice because justice league came out after i'd already moved down here to north carolina so they, they blend together and they do <laughs> terrible amalgamation uh, yeah so i remember not really liking this movie when we saw it in theaters but you, strangely enough it has grown on me now that is that like is this a retrospective because things have gotten so much worse that you've no. seen in a better light? Or No, I think it's because um, Zack Snyder released the extended edition. Yes. And, and I, it included I, footage that finally made some of the story make sense. Correct. And uh, I, I had the benefit of watching this uh, because it's a, it's a three-hour cut, mm-hmm. maybe even more than that. And I saw this, I had the benefit of uh, my own little quarantine at the time I was recovering from surgery and I saw the, uh, the, the, the director's cut very, it, it, there, there was a, there was a flow issue. There was a, there was an obvious tonal issue, but mm-hmm. it did ans- it did patch in a lot of the, the answers that you might've had going forward. It'd be like, you know, watching the JJ Abrams lost and then like having <laughs> pieces thrown in there like, Oh, that makes sense now. But saying that it was it was really choppy and long, and there was no way they would ever survive in a theater. Not that the current one did either. But yeah, well, yeah, the theatrical release, awful extended release, gave it some merit, but I still will not say that it saved the movie. Um, if if the if the if the extended edition had like an extra ten minute fight scene from Superman and Batman, <laughs> then I would have been like, okay, that's worth it. Martha, 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 all you want. But... <laughs> Your mom's name is Martha. <laughs> My God, who wrote that? What a, what, a, what a brilliant place to stop a fight, right when Lois Lane comes along. <laughs> um, well, this is actually a perfect segue into the question that I had in mind for you. And you might think it's a simple question, but I love this question because... There are so many wrong answers, yet there are so many right answers. So my question to you, Dan, is who plays the better Batman? Batman, not Bruce Wayne. Batman. That, that, is, a, that is a good uh, uh, distinction. Qualifying. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're talking about theatrical non-animation, I'm guessing. Uh, yes, not an animation, not the Lego movie, nothing like that. Just okay, live so, action Batman. So we're essentially only talking about, is it five? Is it, because uh, we've got, um, you got Michael Keaton, you got Michael Keaton, George Clooney, Val, um, Kilmer, Val Kilmer, Christian Bale, Christian Bale, Ben and Affleck, ben Affleck. And, are, and are we, are we counting, um, Adam West? <laughs> 
Yes, of course we're counting Adam <laughs> okay, West. Right, so six, so six. Adam okay. Wee. Uh, well, I don't know if you're asking for a ranking, but um, I think the best Batman. This is I, you got to isolate it from the movie as a whole because because if that was true, then Christian Bale hands down. Um, I I hate to say it, but I I still kind of like Michael best, and I don't know if that's just because I grew up with it, but. Just the simple fact that he wasn't campy, you know, mm-hmm. it's just Tim Burton, it's just Tim Burton uh, movies now. He wasn't overly campy. I, I like Adam, like, believe me, Adam West is great. And as far as camp goes, yeah. you know, you can't beat that. But um, you try to go, just try to go back and watch those now and take it like, even, even from a mockumentary style, it's hard to watch. It's still but, fun um, to watch though. Absolutely. Sure. The, the biff bang zap <laughs> yeah um, get the bat shark repellent i just i just like michael keaton the best um i believe me i was completely wowed by ben affleck you want to talk about fan backlash you know and that's that's why um um uh, um uh robert pattinson robert pattinson um, that's that's why there, there might be some hope for them because uh fan backlash can bounce back the other way um so yeah i i i do enjoy the ben affleck version bill michael keaton and i hate to say it as much as i love Chris, uh as much as i love um christian bale that that voice really really oh, is I'm really bad. is kind of it really is kind of distracting you know at least they, they got away with it and see and i don't I'm, I'm not a big you know um comic book guy i don't know the exact Way method in which they disguise Ben uh, uh, Batman's voice, but the way they did it in Zack Snyder verse with um, the mechanical dis- uh, disorienting voice—at least that was more realistic than I'm Batman. I know, you know. I thought about that throughout the entire Dark Knight trilogy. I'm like, this guy is running around, going, "I'm Batman," and talking like this during the entire time. He would have like the sorest <laughs> damn throat, so he wouldn't be able to talk normally. When he was playing Bruce Wayne, I mean, yeah. Let's let's assume he was having some long chats on the rooftop with Commissioner Gordon. There's no yeah. way you can keep that going without getting a lozenge in there, right? <laughs> I mean, just like he would sound like he smoked twenty packs a day, <laughs> like it, during one of the Wayne Enterprises board meetings. So hey, commi- commitment to the craft. Maybe he did. Maybe, mm, maybe he did. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you, Dan. Uh, I think Michael Keaton was the oh, better per- first, Batman. First- First of none, huh? Oh, my God. Chuck agrees with me. Uh, Those of you listening, Dan and I are famous for hardly ever agreeing on anything when it comes to movies. So uh, it is kind of strange that I do agree with him on this one. But Michael Keaton did make the, I feel like, the best Batman. Um, For all the reasons that you said, I really have nothing to add to that. So now let's flip the question. I was going to say, he's a terrible Bruce Wayne. Terrible Bruce Wayne. So (laughs) who made the better Bruce Wayne? Uh, that one I would give to Christian Bale. Amen. Because he had the pomp mm-hmm. and he, he had the um, the enviability of Bruce Wayne, the the flaunting of his money. But he also made he also made himself out to be the playboy who nobody liked. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect counter to uh, the Batman because that enabled at least at least from an onlooker, right? Like the whole suspension of disbelief is why you watch movies. Absolutely. I can suspend my disbelief and say, well, that makes sense why nobody would connect. Uh, even if the facial features, even if you saw Batman on a regular basis, that explains why nobody would make the connection that Bruce Wayne's Batman, because holy, <laughs> holy these two people are nothing alike. No, no, I, 
Absolutely agree. And uh, I want to give honorable mention to another Batman actor um, for his portrayal of Bruce Wayne. Everybody's going to hate me. I know. No, actually, uh, as much as I love Val Kilmer, he's not even the person I'm going to name here. I would like to give honorable mention to George Clooney. Because George well, Clooney is that yeah, million billionaire and, playboy. And, 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 and I, I felt like he just showed up and he's like, oh, I got to play myself. Okay, right. got this. And, and you know, what was I like 13 when that movie came yeah. out? But I, I didn't know at the time. So, I, you know, without the benefit of, of researching it, I don't know. That, that has to be the reason why they chose him. Because he is the, Bruce Wayne incarnate, right? Yeah, like right. He, yeah. Uh, so, uh, honorable mention to George Clooney. But so... Michael Keaton's the best Batman. Christian Bale's the best Bruce Wayne. Sorry, Ben Affleck, Val Kilmer, y'all just well, you know, missed the mark. That's 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 where the filmmaking part of it kind of doesn't do them any favors because Zach Snyder because Zach was Snyder for that, right? Zach Snyder's dark, brooding Batman or and Bruce Wayne for that matter. It, it fit it fit the the style of the movie and just how he reacted to Superman and all that, but. It didn't do the character any justice, no. pun intended. So, <laughs> uh, I'm tired. I'm going to laugh at everything. Um, <laughs> Caught you at a good time. Right? Uh, there's no alcohol in this, I swear. Um, I would love to give the benefit of the doubt to um, Robert Pattinson that he is going to do a good job bringing both Bruce Wayne and Batman to life in the Batman. Uh, he, he, I was I had my reservations when he was first cast, but I sure. started really thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, let's just remove Twilight from our memories, guys. Um, that's, that's let's not thing. use that at it, all. It's, it but think about to, all... it sucks to be typecast and be pinned to one project, but that's that's how that's how Hollywood, Hollywood works, yeah. and yeah. unfortunately, that's how us as moviegoers. Uh, will view actors we see them in one bad movie or one bad franchise it's just kind of stuck in our brain so if i can remove twilight from my thought process here he's actually a good actor now granted now, on the on the on the list of movies i need to see lighthouse is one of them and i'm, and I'm oh, sure I, know, I really want to see that i'm sure that that there was somebody watching that movie thinking like this this could play into his role as batman i actually read in an article this morning, I was reading about Christopher Nolan's new movie, Tenant, uh, that Robert Pattinson is in, that he got the news that he was playing Batman on the very first day of shooting this film. So I'm like, you have a tremendous opportunity to work with the guy who created what possibly will go down as the best Batman movies in movie history. So I would be picking Christopher. I know you're there to work on Tenant, but I'd be picking Christopher Nolan's brain apart like it's 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 a perfect uh you know venn diagram situation he, he's right in the middle he can he can take the the best of both worlds out of it um yeah. and you know i love christopher nolan you know how i'm oh. kind of revved up revved up i am to see tenet i'm revved up about tenet because we know nothing about it and that's what's great about his movies you yes. don't know until a trailer drops what the movie's actually and even the tenet trailer the the teaser i guess it would be doesn't even leave yep. you Yep. With any clues as to what it's about. So it's, <laughs> of the, just, it's of the, exciting. Of the, of the few words in the trailer. Now, granted, I, I come from the, the mindset that trailers are supposed to provide you with a certain amount of flair or pizzazz, especially in an action movie, yeah. to get you to get you interested in the movie, but not give the plot away, certainly not give the ending away. Uh-huh. Looking at you, Terminator. <laughs> um, but uh, Wait, which Terminator? 
Well, I, I guess I was talking about um, Genesis. Oh, Genesis. Genesis. Gen- oh, yeah, Dark Fate didn't give that away. But Genesis gave away the whole John Connors. Not, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the funny thing is of the little bit of dialogue in Tenet trailer, it says, I just have one word for you, Tenet. And we're all like, what? Okay. <laughs> Oh, Chris. Uh, dictionary.com. Does yeah. this give me <laughs> Tenet, is he talking about a lot of apartment building? What's going on here? I moved uh, out already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 honestly excited for this film. Uh Christopher Nolan is by far one of my favorite directors and one of my favorite uh story writers. Uh one of my all-time favorites of his is Memento. It'll always will be one of my favorite movies of his. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to veer too too far off topic, but have you ever watched the Memento uh, forward cut? No, but I bet it's awful. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's I couldn't so have, bad. Oh my god, no! I'd much rather watch it the way it was intended to be watched. Right. right. Um. So let's dive in, I guess, to the heart of this episode. So one of the things that you told me, well, actually, let's start with this. I wanted to name this episode, Here Comes the Boom, because I <laughs> thought it was a nice, clever play. And, and you know my first reaction was. Yes, it was a nice, clever play on the microphones and the equipment that they use on set to capture audio while filming. And then you have to come back and say, are we talking about that Kevin James movie? Who am I, Kevin James? And That's I'm right. just like, shit. I don't want people to think that we're talking about a Kevin James movie here because I don't yet, like Kevin James. Yet another time that Kevin James ruins things. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin James almost ruined my show and he ru- he put me in a bad mood and it took me forever. You know, mall, mall cops had a good had a good rap before Kevin James came around. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Kevin James is just like he's my least favorite thing about everything, you know, least favorite uh, character in King of Queens, least favorite thing about grownups. Uh, just, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, I like grownups. Uh, uh, I like grownups. That's because you're a dad now. You're a big softy. Well, I've, I liked it before I was a dad. Um, my, my friends and, and who knows who might be end up, end up listening to this. My friends tend to tease me about my, my movie knowledge. And, um, uh, I I I, cl- I I classically will will drop a line and 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 then be like, who knows that quote? Nobody nobody will get it, and then they'll give me some kind of crap about like, oh, that's just because your favorite movie's Grown Ups Three, or some, <laughs> <laughs> and <What>? yeah, <laughs> okay, it's just um, like a Gremlins Gremlins Four. Oh, um. So yeah, so it took me forever to decide what I wanted to uh, name this episode, and then you had mentioned, like, well, you know, uh, I threw some more ideas out at you, and you're like, oh yeah, well, you could tie it in with the fact that I used to work at Blockbuster, and I'm like, done. So, the name of this episode, guys, I mean, y'all already know, because y'all just clicked on it to listen to it, is Let's Go to Blockbuster, because we are going to be taking a trip down memory lane, and we're going to be talking about what it was like to go to Blockbuster during its heyday, picking out the movies. It was it was just that quintessential weekend experience. Any, any video store. Any, any video, video store, store, but Blockbuster's the more well-known sure. name. Yeah. Um, so, Dan, tell me, what was it like to work at Blockbuster? Uh, well, first of all, it shows your age. But second of all, um, 
it, it, from a technological standpoint, it, it just reminds you what it's like to live in a bygone era as, yeah, as, yeah. as it was only 20 years ago. Well, yeah, 20 ish years ago. And, um, and you're right. You're right. There's something about the, uh, the innocence of the time before streaming and everything else, when you actually had to go out and, and select something. And moreover, if you were a kid, you had to take your, your, your parents with you. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're having like a sleepover or something, you might take your friends with you. And then it just became a whole saga of boiling down five to 10 movies to maybe one or two that you could rent. And, and, uh, especially working there, um, Oh, you, it, 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 it was it's like being a, a amateur critic, you know, because I might I might be the deciding factor. You know, a family might bring up four or five movies and ask me to choose between them or give my critique of them. And I had to be the OK, well, what kind of movie are you looking for? All right. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you right now, this one, this one did not perform very well in the box. You know, you just, you, <laughs> you just you, like. I'm not, and, and, and again, we're not, we're not, we're not working at the restaurant where you have to upsell them. Like if you yeah. want to upsell them, you suggest like some candy or soda or something. You're not trying to like say, no, well, get, 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 uh, get an extra couple movies too. You're not trying to do that. You're just trying to make sure they go home with the right one. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a bygone era. It's, it's going to be like explaining floppy disks to your kids. Um, it's just not something that, that anyone's going to relate to. Well, the era is not technically dead blockbuster survives (laughs) yeah yes it's like a bad horror movie blockbuster lives it's uh it's friday the 13th part whatever that was jason lives blockbuster has one store that exists in bend oregon i would consider that i would consider that jason in space at that point jason x (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's the one we ran out of ideas have we been to space yet no let's do it Uh, um oregon which is funny because they had a couple in alaska and it made sense why they did because of the fact that they have long winters mm -hmm. and and you know what better time but um oregon of all places and you know it's it's because it's the last one it's actually become a de facto museum basically i mean uh I was kind of reading about a little bit before we started recording that uh, it it still makes a ton of money, but it's more for nostalgia than anything right. else at this point. Right. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be the <laughs> it's gonna be a Smithsonian blockbuster at some point. Absolutely, Blockbuster is just one of those companies that popped up pretty much literally out of nowhere. Started in uh, Dallas, actually. Dallas, Texas in 1985. That's where the first store opened. And then from there, it got other investors and things like that. And it just spread like a wildfire throughout, especially throughout the 90s. Did you know that they had places um, in New Mexico and another state that I can't think of right now where Blockbuster had what they called the city block? It was just this big windowless building and you go inside. I, I don't know how they got away with this with fire marshals. You go inside it. And it just looks like a city block on the outside. It was catered to adults. It had videos that you could rent. It had an arcade, things like that, a restaurant. And Blockbuster wow. just thought so much of themselves. But, well, I mean, they, they, had, they had a good thing going. They just refused to adapt to the times. And when you say that, when you say that kind of thing, this, is, this isn't something I knew, by the way. All I knew is that they, they, were, they were born from Texas because that's where my paychecks came from. But... Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that they had those kinds of those kinds of things. And 
to think that they there's a bit of hubris there. They could have easily uh, expanded and, and moved with times, but they decided. You know, you know, they infamously folded because they chose not to not to buy out Netflix. Actually, I didn't know that. So that just makes their story all the more sad because they tried to compete with Netflix. They launched yep. their own mail. Uh, yep. DVD service and stuff like that, and I tried it a couple of times, and I just really wasn't that impressed with it. But uh, it was similar, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't as streamlined as Netflix was. No, sure Netflix enough, had just a great concept going, and it really worked for them. I think the thing that drew people to Netflix was the fact that you could just do it from the comfort of your home and stuff like that. So Netflix had already gotten their cult following for people uh, renting movies from them and blockbuster just became late to the game and they just could never catch up and now that i know they did they missed out an opportunity to buy netflix that was probably just yeah, stupid netflix, on their part i think uh, netflix uh made them an offer or something a buyout offer and, and they and they declined damn uh, either because it was too steep a price or they just thought they could beat them the old-fashioned way without oh. buying them um we- we learned that lesson, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, and and here they are. But uh, they, they, like you said, they live on. They got one store left. Uh, I, I, I noticed uh, at Target they have a, a actual board game, blockbuster board game. Shut up! No, so no. yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> I have played it. Okay, I, I got to look for this the next time I go to Target. Whenever I go to Target, yep. Um, I don't know who I don't know who's making the money off of it because there's no way there's no way someone's collecting proceeds uh, that's from Blockbuster. Well, somebody's still got to own the Blockbuster name if it still technically exists. So somebody's making money off of it. Do you remember there? Uh, which there was a Blockbuster over in Kingstown, and uh, I actually rem- they were shutting it down right about the time I first moved. Like right when I got there in 2012. So it still existed up until that point. But I remember it because I had just gone to see a movie. I don't remember which movie, so it wasn't that memorable. Um, And then uh, I just happened to look over and saw Blockbuster had all the uh, signs in the window saying, close out sale, basically just take our shit. Yeah. I walked out with like 20 movies for 10 bucks, and I thought that was the greatest thing in the entire world. So yeah, was, there is something a, good that came out of Blockbuster closing. That was again before they like before they truly saw the writing on the wall when they just figured they could close a couple of franchises and, and still live on. Yeah, uh, that that's when they started consolidating here and there and then just selling product. Like you said, I remember I was working there actually during the um, the transition to DVD. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a time because, you know, people don't don't typically gravitate with the times they fight them so there were there was a time when we had to have vhs and dvd together on the same wall and so uh, but during that time they were selling off like like you were saying just selling off vhs like like nothing here take it for a quarter please please here here i'm gonna cover my eyes just go go (laughs) yeah yeah talk about it being just one of the biggest experiences of our childhood a lot of great memories going there a lot of memories of arguing over what movie we're going to pick a lot of memories of you know the debates and stuff like that but there's just something magical you know i have netflix i have amazon prime disney plus all that stuff so you got all these movies at your fingertips a few clicks of your remote you're watching your favorite movie but i don't know there's just something simpler 
as strange as that sounds, about being able to walk into a store, see all the shiny lights everywhere, the videos lining the walls, and you're picking up every case, reading the synopsis of every movie. Yeah, it, it, I miss it, doing that. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, some, it's a tactile thing, right? I yeah. mean, something about scrolling through. And by the way, until someone comes up with one centralized hub for all streaming movies, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna have that going from place to place to place to just look look at the different movies. You're gonna have to first choose, and you know, I I hate options. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to choose which streaming. Like, let's look. Let's check Netflix first, or uh-huh. let's check Hulu first. There's no there's no viable way to just be like, let's see the the list of movies available to me and then we'll go from there. But again, like you said, the tactile thing about, first of all, the, the, the movie cover, which everyone, I mean, back then at least, the first thing to grab your attention. People had yes. to, people actually dedicated time and effort to making the movie cover as attention grabbing as possible. I mean, sure, certainly now, like, you know, the movie posters, like I, I specifically marvel has mm-hmm. artsy, you know, theatrical. They don't even need to put the time and effort into theirs. <laughs> they just but, need to put the name of the movie right, on a black exactly. canvas. Exactly. And that's a... Yeah. Ant-Man. Come see it. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, you had to put a lot of time and effort into the, uh, the the cover art. And then on top of that, like the this, this reading a synopsis is the only way you could possibly gauge whether you're interested. Nowadays, it's like you're checking... Again, like I said, the streaming service, mm-hmm. the, the list of movies available to you, and then beyond that, who knows? You're probably going to Rotten Tomatoes. You're probably looking at the critics' consensus. You're probably <sighs> looking at, you know, critics' yeah. uh, uh, um, fan reviews. You know, and it's just it's too much involved versus looking at two pieces of a of a box to decide. Yeah. But then again, I guess there's advantages to the uh, marvels of technology nowadays. So if you went to the video store, you know. I don't know about you. I always started with A and I went all the way through Z. There are some what, people what who like rebel. to do it. I know what, what a rebel. rebel. I mean, psychopaths are the only ones who go backwards or <laughs> true. No, no. Uh, idiots go backwards and psychopaths just start wherever they want to. I, I just figured you started with the O's and moved to the C and D. Nah. <laughs> You're funny. Um, <laughs> but, you know, start with A. So, like, you found a movie in B. Like, oh, babe, pig in the city. This sounds like a great movie awful yeah. movie um <laughs> babe pig in the city i'm going to pick up this one and then you keep working your way down and you find something in d oh dante's peak yes all right linda hamilton uh pierce brosnan you can't go wrong with that I'm gonna pick that up and you go on down and then your mom's like well you're only allowed to pick out two movies and well yep. you find something in g and you're just like well shit what do i do now yep and then you get an armful of movies, and you have to, like I said, it's a, it's the whittling down process. Yeah, and I guess that is one of the nice things about technology is that you do have all those options at your fingertips, and you can still kind of go through all of them. And then you're just like, well, if I don't watch this one now, I can just watch it as soon as I'm done watching that one and stuff like that. You don't have to go running back and forth between the video store and stuff like that. But again, it's like you said, the tactile thing that I think I miss the most. It's the you appreciate watching a movie a lot more the more work you put into deciding which one you're going to watch more. And a lot of the movies that I have grown to love over the years, I first watched because we watched them through Blockbuster, you know? So I just, I don't know. There's something about going out to a, to a location that's not your home. mm -hmm. You have to make that decision 
what in a half hour who wants to spend more than that in a yeah. movie in a video store you could be sitting on your couch trying to decide on a movie for an hour and a half chuck before you even <laughs> commit Dude, to one i have sat in front of netflix for 45 minutes <laughs> and just like you know what i i don't want to watch anything and i'll just turn it off and pick up a book and then you end up watching something <laughs> you've already watched like 50 times millions or you like, just go fine. to my i'll what? watch a league of their own for the 50th time there is no crying in baseball <laughs> or you just like damn i'll watch the office um yeah which is always on by the way always oh it's either on tv or it's on netflix too so we constantly have the office on in this house and ever since they took friends off of netflix i'm sad rest in peace friends uh i haven't been watching that i can't do my uh my yearly rewatch until hbo max puts it on that that's where it went right yeah, it's going to it's going to HBO Max whenever they launch that later this month. So I don't want to pay for another streaming service. One more, one more competitor. Yeah, I just like this is ridiculous. Um, so working at Blockbuster, do you have any fun stories? Uh, did you ever see anything like something stupid or ridiculous uh, happen? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Can you talk uh, about are, it? Are specific to <laughs> movies or just in general working there? Let's do one of each, uh, specific to movies. Start with that one. Okay. Well, um, let me think about that one. Let me let me start with the more ridiculous one, and then okay. maybe maybe I'll come up. So the, the, my my most ridiculous story, unrelated to movies, there is when uh, an an elder older gentleman accused me of stealing his wallet. <laughs> and um, now, at the, again, this is this goes this is back to a time when, uh, especially the one that I worked worked at was was you know right right by my parents' house, essentially. And it wasn't like one of the bigger, <laughs> bigger, uh, 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 stores. So you had like a lot of regulars, mm-hmm. not a whole lot of, you know, you might have some theft of course, which, which, which retail place doesn't. Yes. But this particular person was one of those Sunday goers that you tend to see on the regular. And you think on the very least you would, you would recognize me or something. But, um, anyway, so he, he came to the, Counter, or he was waiting behind somebody and then, and then came to the counter and then um, rented his movies, checked him out. He left. Mm-hmm. Guy came back like half hour, hour later. He said he was, he was looking around, um, I guess for me, because trying to figure out who, who the person was that he was going to give his, his uh, attitude to. But um, he, he essentially was, was lambasting me for, for not finding his wallet. And I said, "Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you, you, yeah, you, you, you checked out. Like, it wasn't like you didn't have your wallet when you left, right?" And so he just one manager, which at the time, like this really nice guy, Robert, was the manager, and uh, uh, tried to talk him down as far as the accusations go. Uh, in the schmoozing effort, the guy just wasn't having it and wanted to see the security tapes. So took him back to the office and showed him the security tapes, and he's like. Point. He's doing his like, and, and this is this was '90s technology, so it's not like you're looking at HD or anything. But he's trying to do point and identify like where the issues are, right? Uh huh. All of a sudden, I'm being audited. What's going on here? And so uh, he's circling with his fingers, like, see right there, that guy behind me. He's like, I, I'm not responsible. Like the, the the guy behind you, even if he took your wallet, like I, I'm supposed to be. Oh, hey, hey, put that back. Look, look, giving the once over, <laughs> making sure you, I'm I'm trying to get you in and out. You know, no issues. 
And so after searching the, the, the store around the area and then not finding anything on the security camera, I'm just like, what? I, I, I went about my day not uh-huh. thinking anything of it. Come to find out, guy came back like maybe the next day on my off day while Robert was working there, completely apologetic because it turned out that his wallet had just slipped. He was wearing sweatpants or something, slipped and just, I don't know if there's a hole in his pocket or what, slipped and it was down at the base of his, of his, of his pant leg. Uh, like resting on his shoe essentially like it was down there and uh, how was i supposed to know that but i wasn't there to receive the apology so i got all of the brunt of it but none of the apology robert tells me like the next day i started working he's like hey this guy uh was really sorry you remember him uh the guy the oh the guy who who, who thought i stole his wallet yeah 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he really wanted to extend his apologies to you uh uh, uh he brought me like uh some some kind of candy or something like that i'm like did where's my where's my gift where's my my apology i i don't recall seeing him uh you know and come to think of it it might have been one of those days that i just chipped in to help that maybe he comes on those days or something but it just goes to like that was my um my one retail job i had one retail job one restaurant job and it's one of those all right check that off i don't have to do that again but uh yeah yeah just just uh Guys losing their mind and, and accusing instead of checking all your bases, accusing the first the, the first person you talk to. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that accuse me as, of stealing your wallet. We're gonna have words. Yeah, as far <laughs> as well, yeah, I, and and that's you know there's again many stories that come from that place in the year and a half that I worked there in high school. Yeah, but um, movie wise, I. I don't have any specifics except for I remember, well, first of all, the, the good thing about working at Blockbuster is you had five free rentals a week, which applied to games too. So nice. Um, you know, you get a good chance and you could rent like movies a week or two before they, is, if we got them in early, you could rent them a week or two in advance. Um, well, that's cool. Perk. The swag part of it. I remember my favorite day was working on uh, Monday or Tuesday when the deliveries came. Mm-hmm. And there were, especially during the summer, you'd get a lot of the cardboard cutouts to put together, um, some posters, you know, and depending on the movie, you might have like other uh, merchandise that comes in with it. So I remember before I actually saw the movie, I remember setting up this extravagant cardboard cutout for Pearl Harbor. Oh, Lord. And think, you know, because I, I still am kind of a history buff. And especially World War II kind of gets me going. And, and, and modern, modern retellings, modern movies, uh, it was right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked half of that movie, I guess. But <laughs> um, I kept that. I was really, I, I, I felt I put the work into it and deserved to keep it after seeing the movie. I'm disappointed. Like, I'm at least going to get something out of this transaction. Where did you put it? Uh, well, it's in the, it's gone now, but, <laughs> but I, you know, who's having those? I lived with my parents at the time. I was sitting there set up in the basement somewhere, but, uh, yeah. Um, and the other thing I, I remember, and this, this might've been when I first started working there or something. Um, yeah, I, one of my guilty pleasure, um, Jim Carrey movies, uh, me, myself and Irene. Oh my yes. Yeah. Um, we had, and, and you remember the movie, but, uh, they, the cow that with the the neck strap, <laughs> the one that he yeah. the one that he tried to put out of his misery and couldn't couldn't manage to to do it. 
Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of these plush cows with, with, with necks, neck straps on them that when you squeeze them, they'd make the, the, this gurgled mooing. And <laughs> I, I obviously took some of them home. Oh my but God. I just remember in, you know, I'm, I'm just a kid in high school. We'd be working like night shifts Friday or Saturday night. And it just became a game of who can irritate the other the most by just randomly squeezing these cows. We killed a lot of those batteries on the cows, by the way. But it was just, I don't know, the, the amount of random swag you get in that place um, just kind of dope. No, I, I actually believe it. My, the very first job I ever had in high school was uh, working for AMC Theaters. So between all the swag, the movie posters that yep. I still have up in the attic and these big tubes and stuff like that, I mean, those are those are my treasured possessions i can't wait to have a like a man cave that i can finally put those all in frames and hang them up and stuff like that so yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it i have yeah I have, I have dreams of um you know setting up kind of mini movie poster collages of like my favorite movies things mm-hmm. like that those are just kind of things that i just i you know it, it's a lot like uh what, what what's the saying scent is the is the most uh um identic with your memory like yeah. Your sense of smell is the most identical with your memory. Um, and for some reason, when it comes to songs and movies, I can always place in my lifetime. So if I hear a song, it makes me think of a person or, or, or a memory. Same yeah. thing with movies. I, for some reason, I can picture, and it's not true of all of them, but for, I'd say, maybe 80% of them, I can identify who I was with and where I saw it for the first time. Damn. Um, that's, that's awesome. And... And some might get mixed up. I you know I might, I might think I saw, but it's just, it's just one of those things that, um, I don't know. It, it, it's movies, movies are, are special to me. And, uh, even, even the guilty pleasure ones, man, even, even the, even the crappy ones. Yeah. We all have our guilty pleasure movies. Uh, you had mentioned, uh, me, myself, Irene, you, uh, one of my, all-time favorite guilty pleasure movies is uh the love guru oh oh no chuck i love that movie that's that's like the movie that was responsible for killing mike myers career basically but to me i I loved it i I... i'll be honest with you i didn't see it because it's on netflix (laughs) (laughs) watch it All right. Uh, that's that's my guilty pleasure movie. Um, well, perfect. This leads us into another great question. So you're talking about these memories that you have that are associated with movies and stuff like that. What would be your favorite movie of all time and why? Um, David, my old roommate, David, asked me this question several months ago and pressed me on it. It's one of those. I, I, it, it, there is no go to movie. Mm-hmm. Because they shift with time. Of course. Um, I can, you know, I, I can honestly say without without a shadow of doubt, my favorite comedy is Dumb and Dumber. But I would never, I would no longer say it's my favorite movie of all time. Okay. So Fair they enough. Kind, they kind of gravitate into genres. I was actually, and and because I I knew that this podcast was impending, I did kind of actually start to reminisce a little bit. I I think I can safely say my favorite movie of all time is back to the future that's a very good choice i honestly was not expecting that and maybe it's because the nostalgia part of me is is hoping that it remains untouched by hollywood reboots and sequels but 
Um, it, it just something about it. Um, it's very rewatchable. Yes. It's, I can safely say it's, it's everybody's best movie, everybody's best role in that movie, whether it's Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Crispin Glover, like all of them, that's their, that's their best performance in, in that movie. And so, uh, and it's timeless. I mean, you, you can, you can rag on the, the grab, uh, the, CGI, whatever, but, and, and sure they got some things wrong about, well, that's back to the future, but, um, uh, something like 88 miles per hour is not a fast speed anymore. So no, definitely not. <laughs> well, back but, in the eighties. Yes, it was. Yeah, sure. Um, wow. I really like that answer. Back to the future is a great, great film. Um, damn, that really kind of makes me rethink my choice. Uh, my, my choice is from the two thousands. Um, and I've already done a podcast on it. Uh, I listed it my top five favorite movies, but it's definitely my number one. Ocean's Eleven. I cannot get enough of Ocean's Eleven. That, I, uh, that, I rewatch that also, it all the time. That also takes me back to Blockbuster Days because I didn't know at the time it was a remake. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, make, I didn't bother to watch the old one to, to say whether it's a better remake or not. But I agree with you. It's, um, if it's not one of the best crime caper movies the best crime mm-hmm. caper movie um obviously the sequels didn't do it any justice but um what like as far as ensemble cast go how do you beat that you 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 can't i think it's quite possibly one of the best casts you've ever been able to put into a movie and still make the movie worth watching for more than just the cast. So, I mean, yeah. there are there are movies out there where they've got great cast in it, and the movie sucks. But this one, it, it's got bu- the best of both worlds. It's got a great cast, but it's also just... it. Ca- the movie captures you, and it's not just about watching it for the cast, it's about watching it for the story itself. So, that's why I think Ocean's Eleven is just one of the greatest films ever there, made. When it comes to heist movies... Um... Uh, obviously, storytelling storytelling plays a role. How you shoot it, Steven Soderbergh, right? That was the director. Yes, stitched it together in such a way that it flowed very well. As and the plot, the plot, very little holes to speak of. You know, it's it's a lot like uh, I don't want to tie it to Knives Out, but there's certain you know, as far as as far as ensemble cast and the storytelling being unique and original. That what the the minor plot holes you come across, you just forgive. Yes, and Knives Out, it did have some minor plot holes in it, but I I will say, Ryan, that movie just blew me away. Ryan Johnson just did an amazing job with that movie. Um, the only thing I will have to hate on it for is Daniel Craig's ridiculous <laughs> accent. Foghorn Leghorn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I say. I say. <laughs> now, might, what you're saying is, I, like, might, dude, might, you're, you're from Britain. We might be talking about a, a um, franchise in the, in the making there too. They might turn that into a trilogy of sorts. Well, can 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 he lose the accent somewhere? Like you know, no. oh, he got hit in the head with a rock. No, no, he went he went to he He's went to the dentist it. and he went under anesthesia. And when he woke up, he all of a sudden had a British accent. I mean, there's Is a real like, life story about that. Is it going to be like Scarlet Witch? She went from <laughs> bad Russian to no Russian. I know what happened there. There was barely any like 
it wasn't even subtle. It's one movie. She's like, oh, she barely speaks any. <laughs> she barely speaks any English, and then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, I speak perfect English. I grew up here. You know what? Exactly. Uh, uh, I, I, I gotta be honest with you, Chuck. I didn't. I didn't expect that answer. Um, what about Knives Out? No, no, no. Ocean's Eleven. Uh, oh, about Ocean. What do you think my favorite movie was? Uh, well, you know. Uh, without without trying to, without trying to label you as such, it would have been hard. I would have been hard pressed to not expect some kind of like, um, first of all, something '90s or maybe like a Marvel or something like that. Uh, I for sure, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Maybe maybe something along those lines. Okay, so let me address all those real quick. <laughs> uh, I love the Marvel movies. Don't get me wrong. The MCU is amazing. Iron Man is definitely my favorite film, actually, out of all the Marvel movies. Um, but I just wouldn't label any of them my all-time favorites. Um, and if we're going to talk 90s movies, that one's tough, man. Um, it's hard it's hard to place a label on a 90s movie that would be my all-time favorite. I mean, that that was the height of me falling in love with movies. I mean, I was born in 86. Yeah, I'm dating myself. I was born in 86. So, you know, I'm watching movies all through the 90s just and you see the progression of movies. I mean, you went from all these great great movies and you just saw how the genre like what genres peaked and how it all yeah. changed and shifted throughout the 90s and then you got into the 2000s there's just a lot of great movies that exist um in the 90s i i honestly cannot sit there and think of one movie in the 90s that i would like to uh pin as a favorite now i can list a bunch of them that i hated but um to pin as a favorite no 90s um, 90s were the, the best time for corny action flicks yes um absolutely and then as far as empire strikes back goes um that is actually not one of my favorite star wars <laughs> movies. not one not even one of your favorite no actually um tell me tell so... me it's at least your favorite of the original trilogy Okay, I will say it's my favorite of the original okay, trilogy. Okay. I will, I'll give you okay. that one. But it's not one I go back and rewatch all the time. Um, believe it or not, the one I tend to go back and rewatch all the time is Revenge of the Sith. Don't give me that face. I liked that one. I'll be honest with you. I can't watch a prequel movie from start to finish. I will watch parts of them and be happy, but I cannot watch yeah. each movie start to finish. It is just brutal. Well, it's brutal now. I can't even watch The Phantom Menace. It just makes me want to rip my ears off and gouge my eyes out. And then the clone, uh, Attack of the Clones. I, uh, My brother's right. I hate anything that involves a love story. I cannot stand Attack of the Clones because of the love story. It's so stupid. Well, that takes me back to Pearl Harbor. But yeah, <laughs> anything, love stories <laughs> do tend to ruin uh, uh, good movies. And, and the, especially when love stories... Well, this was tied in because it's the downfall of of Anakin, right? But Anakin. But stories are typically tied in the movies to appeal to a certain audience. Oh, we got this great yeah, but, got this great war movie. What can tie what can what can what can bring uh uh women to the to the theater? Oh let's let's throw Josh Hartnett and Kate Beckinsale falling in love. You know, um I, I'm with you that love stories do tend to take away from uh uh the bigger storytelling aspect, especially if they don't belong this, the movie you're citing, um, uh, it actually belonged in the movie. It's just that George it, Lucas couldn't write a love scene to save his life. 
No, and the whole thing felt forced, and it was just bad acting. And I hate Hayden. I mean, Hayden Christensen. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. Yeah, not not a good, uh, not a good anecdote. I don't want to dwell it's, on the prequels it's, either. It's, but it was just a, a you know, that, those were middle school, high school years for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just really, we all were itching to see the next chapter in Star Wars. Before I even, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a film study uh, uh, person. Self, but before I even knew anything about plotting and, 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 and pacing of movies, it stuck out like a sore thumb, um, especially in Attack of the Clones. Like, what this, this light speed pace that they're moving at to get from point A to point B. They had a lot of ground to cover. I feel like George Lucas just picked a very bad starting point with The Phantom Menace and then. It's like, oh shit! I've got to get from here to here, and I've only got three movies to do it, which is why there's all so there's a lot of time in between episode one and episode two, and then episode. As much as I like episode three, I felt that one was super rushed. I, I felt like that should have been two movies: uh, episode three A, episode three B. Um, yeah, why? But, uh, I, I, I was th- just stuck on that three number. What's wrong with What's wrong with making a quadrilogy? Yeah, right. Um. So, but I do like, I do like Revenge of the Sith. And then of the newer movies, I love Last Jedi. It just finally grew on me. I hated it at first, but it finally grew on me. I know we started off strong with one agreement. Um, Yeah, that was our one agreement for the entire. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, and we, 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 we've already talked about this on the side, but just uh, again with the tonal shift, like that movie didn't know what tone it was going to speak in. And it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in the scheme. If you want, if you want, if you want to, as a standalone movie, it's. Great. I will give you that as a standalone movie, but as as a fan, it's just you can't you can't take it on its own. You have to try to fit it in with the rest of them, and it just doesn't. Uh, yeah, but I I still watch it. That's usually of the of the three new ones. That's my go to. But I love watching the beginning of rise of skywalker because i love when uh kylo ren is on that planet and he is just slashing everyone down and stuff like that and the music john williams john williams just created a really nice amazing score it just starts off full blast (laughs) in that movie and then it just goes straight downhill at the uh side of the emperor spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen rise of skywalker yet or heard about it as soon as the emperor's on screen, you're just like, "Well, this movie sucks." Well, they 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 tried <laughs> right, again. We're 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 going over territory we've already discussed, but it it, it yeah. the way that the way that they tried to start the movie before the movie even started by basically saying, "Hey, Palpatine's back." They had to put it in the trailer because they at least had to soften the blow so that we're all not like, yeah. "Oh, really? This again?" Um, but uh, as far as your opening scene, yes, that's. That's a, that's a it's a good scene, but he, like, he's slashing these unknown villains that we don't we don't nope, just yeah like cannon, where is just he? cannon fodder enemies <laughs> just we need to have we need to have Kylo Ren being a badass again, um, so let's just go ahead and shoehorn that in and and it's it, it, it's gonna put a gun to my head. I will probably agree with you that Last Jedi might be the best of those. But here's what makes the Last Jedi the best of those, not just for I feel like standalone story reasons i i don't i i will say i don't like the depiction of luke in that he didn't he didn't story. like the depiction of luke in that story no um i didn't like that i tried to retcon that in rise of skywalker too 
yeah, they they try to re- they try to fix everything, and, and I feel like that's why Rise of Skywalker never had a chance to be great because J.J. Abrams was trying to fix everything from uh, Last Jedi. But what makes the Last Jedi great to me was the fact that it has one of the best lightsaber battles in Star Wars movie history. Kylo Ren, Rey fighting off uh snopes uh snopes snokes uh red fighters and stuff like that it's been a while since i've seen it but wasn't it over and done with pretty quickly though no i mean that was that was a that was a pretty lengthy okay. battle okay uh, well again it just goes back to, i left such a sour taste in my mouth that i might have watched it one yeah. more time and been like cool yeah yeah no go at least go back and watch that mm. scene um and of course it happens after one of the biggest like oh shit moments where you know they he slices off snoke's head and you're just like wait 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 we're not done with snoke's backstory here why are you killing him yeah. so uh i i think those are the things that really drew me into the last jedi that both angered me but intrigued me about this movie i'm just like it felt like a jj abrams abrams movie without it being a jj abrams movie because it just raised so many questions and left you with so little answers and you're just like well it's because why because jj put the amount of questions he wanted in force awakens ryan threw them out and so jj had to be like well i get some new questions out of this mystery box um i begin to wonder if jj abrams had done last jedi would emperor palpatine had come back I don't ever. I don't want to believe that was ever. Going no, to be I the think end no, because I think I think they're going in the direction of Snoke. That's what they they wanted it to be a new villain because rehashing rehashing old elements as much as they did in Force Awakens, that was just meant to draw people back in. It wasn't meant to just hit all the same plot points again. We talked about this, like the bringing Emperor Palpatine back is nostalgia bait alone. Nothing else comes. It, it diminishes um the return, uh, return of the jedi like the entire plot points of return of the jedi are diminished now because anakin's no longer redeemed as as darth vader he's no longer redeemed luke uh, uh his storyline essentially goes away because because he's no longer the savior he didn't his job isn't finished right um so it, it but as far as lightsaber battles it's very easily darth maul number one anakin versus obi-wan from Revenge of the Sith number two, and then I'll give you, and then I'll give you Last Jedi. Oh no, no, no! I, I, I'll agree with you on the other two. I, I say I think it's one of the best lightsaber battles, if not the best. I actually, I will correct myself. I think Revenge of the Sith is the best lightsaber battle, and only because, like, I remember reading they spent so much time practicing that battle, all the movements and stuff like that that they actually became that fast. They didn't have to speed up the film or anything like that. All their movements were that quick, that fluid, and that on point. It took a lot of dedication, and, and it felt you felt the raw energy between the two, and I think that's what makes that uh, lightsaber battle one of the best, uh, the best in Star Wars canon, I have one, or Star Wars movie canon. I have and one nit to pick I about it, Darth Maul I have one nit to pick about the... Oh, the yes, nitpick. Um, it. It, it would be the best, except for they aesthetically having two of the same color lightsaber is just tough to focus on so if they could have already made anakin a different color lightsaber by the time they had that revenge of the sith fight it might have been number one but instead you just got blue on blue on blue on blue yeah. is that too nitpicky <laughs> no no i i can I, I can see it but you know 
yeah, I'll give you that. Um, and I'll say what made Darth Maul's um, lightsaber battles uh, sequence really great. It wasn't just the battle itself. It was the music. Mm. John Williams outdid himself. Uh, Phantom Menace is an awful movie, but the score for that movie was just phenomenal. If I could just mute everybody talking in that movie and just listen to the score movie is a hundred times better. absolutely and and i will i will throw hans zimmer into this but it's the same token that without those scores do we do we feel the same way about certain movies you know without john williams do we feel the same way about star wars about indiana jones about um i'm drawing a blank on some other one uh, jurassic park you know do we feel the same way uh jurassic park probably but you know, it's yeah. just, it, it makes the movie in so many regards. And Hans Zimmer with the Dark Knight trilogy uh, in Inception. Hans Zimmer and his use of strings, especially in the Dark Knight movie itself, you know, when it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. So not only are you uncomfortable watching what's unfolding on screen, but then you have this music, just these odd strings, and it's hitting all these minor notes, and you're just like cringing, just, you know, something bad's about to happen. And, Hans Zimmer is a genius when he, I, it, it was really simple. It's just like, hey, you, violinist, do this. And it was perfect. And that, John Williams is the same way. You can say it almost about any movie. You can associate music with the greatness of a movie for almost a lot of movies. John Williams is, again, to highlight him a little bit more, associated with a lot of great franchises and movies, Jurassic Park. Harry Potter franchise, at least the beginning of Harry Potter franchise. Uh, He didn't uh, go past number three. Uh, Star Wars and things like that. You know, John uh, Indiana Jones star uh, John Williams is amazing. But I also have a theory about John Williams. He's lazy. (laughs) If you listen to his music, you start to hear the same things throughout all these movies. So I thought about that once. I was uh, listening to I was listening to a Star Wars soundtrack. Yes, I have them, and it came out to this one point, and I'm just like, God, that sounds like Indiana Jones. And then same thing in Harry Potter. Hedwig's theme. There's certain parts of Hedwig's theme that make me think of Home Alone. Oh, because John Williams did the music. Absolutely, absolutely right. And I'm like. This guy recycles yeah, his stuff. Home Alone was do, 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 whereas Harry Potter is um, um dun, 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 dun. yeah I, I, I yeah I, it, there's it's subtle but it's there. Right. So uh, he's the laziest genius when it comes to composing music. I mean, I really shouldn't uh, hate on him. I can't compose as long as it's, as, as long as it's not as the main the main uh, song, right? Like he can just he can yeah. cheat in the middle the middle portions of the movie, just not during the highlight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, that that uh, that's an interesting point. Now it's going to make me um, want to lend a keen ear anytime I watch like a John Williams movie. Do like, it. I. You won't notice it all the time, but it, there there's just certain things that are like, oh, God, yeah, that's Indiana Jones, or oh, that's Home Alone, or um. I don't think he does it with the Superman theme. I don't think that gets recycled anywhere. It's just here and there, and so I'm just. I, I think it's funny, but music definitely makes a movie just, it, you associate music with just some really awesome movies out there. Uh, another 
another great score that really just comes to mind, I, I guess it is Hans Zimmer, is uh, outside of the Dark Knight trilogy, another Christopher Nolan film. I love listening to the score in Interstellar. The film itself is questionable when it comes to certain plot points, I, it, but the music is just anytime, phenomenal. Anytime you're telling um, a sci-fi movie set in space, that's you know an accurate portrayal of space because obviously there's no sound in space. So yeah. when it comes to something like Gravity, Interstellar, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, that is an iconic score for that particular reason. You don't have the ability to, your, your, your senses are, are distorted in space. And so you have nothing else to get to, to guide your, your emotions to the movie other than mm-hmm. what's being played for you. And you're absolutely right about Interstellar. It flies under the radar. Um, mm-hmm. I, I agree that, that without that, um, it's just a bunch of vignettes strung together with Matthew McConaughey yell- yelling Murph. Murph. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Anne Hathaway and her just like love is the answer. <laughs> love is quantifiable. Just like shut up. Yeah, couldn't they have get this? Could have been a silent. Couldn't movie. they have given that line to to somebody else so it's not the female character making the love uh, argument? Yeah, why didn't why couldn't they have given it to um uh what's his Killian, name? Killian, his name. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, you're right. I'm I'm Jonathan. I'm <sighs> whatever um you know who i'm talking about and that's all that matters sure. but <laughs> uh so let's take this back to blockbuster real quick so is there any movie that came out on video or dvd during the time that you worked there that created such just like a mass chaos on like release day or something like that. Like you ran out of it within five minutes of opening your doors. Uh, well, countless, countless. Uh, it's, it's hard to choose. Um, it, it goes, it goes back to, to summer movies mainly because that's, it's very rare time. Uh, we'll tend to, you know, this is, this is, again, it's a different time. Nowadays, people have no shame in releasing movies to, to DVD or streaming at a certain time frame because they know it'll get watched. At this point in time, at this point in time, you structured your releases to DVD and video like you did for the theater because you wanted to maximize rentals. Didn't have to, didn't have a streaming service to rely upon. So inevitably, they it was around the summer, and then of course you know you'd have your Christmas too. Um, trying to come up with one in particular, uh, you know, Avatar was a big one. I remember. Um, uh, uh, but again, Blockbuster was better about gauging the demand so when you come to the art when you come to the the question about ones that drove so much demand that you were just permanently out it's tougher to select because you know for the most part they had they had the the stock to to stand that demand uh i'd have to think i honestly don't have one off the top of my head i do remember one um do you remember this is this is completely under the radar but uh do you remember the original kings of comedy was a big draw for a lot of different reasons it it was you know it was before blue collar comedy tour where you had like a a, an ensemble um comedian uh, cast of comedians in in one particular feature stand-up it drove in a lot of interest but they uh and i didn't know anything about it at the time um but they there was also a, a queens of comedy 
Yeah. And for whatever reason, there was one copy at the store. One single solitary copy. There might have been two at one point, but then someone just didn't bring it back. And so I was like, all right, we're down to one. Um, and it was permanently out of stock. And we'd have, and, and this was again during a time frame in the summer, probably where just people might have watched whatever other movies that they're just like, well, they want to see this one. And I just never remember there being as high a demand as for. Do, I, I can't remember. Did Blockbuster do like wait lists? Uh, no, no, that would have been that would have no. been impossible to manage. Absolutely. Okay. You just had to like you, uh, we we did reserve. You had a call. You had a call and they can't. Can, I'm coming in uh, in an hour or something. We might do it. For can you. you pull this movie right. for me? And, and we might, but we'd only hold it for a specific frame. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I can think of a movie when I was working at the movie theater that just became so chaotic i mean we had to bring in security uh we were actually put on shifts to stand in the aisles of the theater to prevent things from happening and it was jackass three. Oh, why three <laughs> well that it was just a three happened to be coming out when oh, I okay was, okay i think it was three okay that's interesting. It was two or three, which wh- wh- whichever one of those sure. is, uh, came is out. Is it just because of the uh, the clientele, the 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 the, the, the people yeah. that would go in there because people want to be stupid right. during these movies? Right. But they also did the same thing when Eight Mile came out. Interesting. But I don't know. I don't know if that was racial, <laughs> racially uh, stirred or not because of the clientele going to that that's one. Very, that's, uh, they, that's very interesting. I I was expecting uh, something just with. Because I, I couldn't tell you which jackass I saw. It was one of them. Probably the first one. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm just not a huge fan of the show. Um, oh, definitely not. But I just can't, I just can't remember um, any bit of hype for that, especially the third one. <laughs> Hold on, I'm, I'm going to look it up. Uh, I, now that I think about it, I think it was Jackass 2. Okay. Uh, ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. Jackass the movie was 2002. No, so it was the first movie. It was Jackass okay, the movie, okay. 2002. So the first one. Okay, um, that makes sense. I, that, now that, that I could, that makes that sense, I could picture yeah. a huge huge amount of demand for because, I, I, again, I could be wrong. Wasn't it, it wasn't simultaneous when the show was on the air, right? Wasn't it already off the air? Weren't they already I doing believe... like spinoffs, Bam Margera at that point? Yeah, I think uh, the show was already off the air. Let's see, Jackass ran... No, Jackass was hmm. still on the air. It ran till, from 2000 to 2007. So people must have just been expecting even more... Uh, yeah, like, they're, they're going to go yeah, over the top. Yeah. yeah. So I just re- I remember just that being crazy. Every showing of it, like, the first weekend was sold out. And uh, same thing with uh, 8 Mile. I also worked at the movie theater when Harry Potter and the Sorcerer... The Chamber of Secrets came out, the second one. And that movie was, like, sold out for two weeks. We had crowd control and things like that. But that one was actually fun to work because Harry Potter fans are slightly different than Jackass fans or Eminem fans gotcha. so uh can i ask you a question you can always ask what, me a question what what movie were you most pleasantly surprised by in theater now obviously you have to weigh your own expectation in this but the, the movie you're most pleasantly surprised by pleasantly surprised by like a bunch that were negatively surprised by <laughs> oh i about to say like there are movies i got up and walked out of um 
but like in a positive way, pleasantly surprised by. Okay. Uh, one that comes to mind, uh, Morning Glory. Did you ever see that? No. Harrison Ford, Rachel McAdams. Huh. It's about the morning news show. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Diane yes. Keaton. Yes. So I remember Karen and I had, I think it was right after we got married, we went to Texas to visit with my family and stuff like that. And we were bored one day. So we went to the movie theater and we couldn't really decide on what to watch. And she's like, well, let's go see this. So I was like, I don't know. It looks stupid. But by the end of the movie, I was just like, wow, this was actually a pretty decent movie. Uh, Harrison Ford was, you know, funny in it. And uh, Diane Keaton was probably a little bit over the top. But I, I like Rachel McAdams, too. So just watching her, I, that's probably what sold me up first and going to see the movie and then realizing it was actually a pretty funny story. So that one was definitely a pleasant surprise. Especially because Harrison Ford doesn't tip, doesn't typically do comedies. <laughs> no, no. So that that was definitely just a departure for him. And what's great about Harrison Ford and his comedy that it's dry. Yes. So it's never outlandish humor. It just happens to he's great at delivering that dry humor, and you just can't help but laugh or smile whenever he does something funny. So yeah, that that would probably be the one I would label the most pleasantly surprised on a good way type thing. Now I will go to the other end of that spectrum. Pleasantly surprised in a bad way. King Arthur, Clive Owen, Eva Green. Well, define, what do you mean by pleasantly surprised in a bad way? I went into this movie thinking that it was going to just be, oh, oh, I wasn't oh, going to oh, say oh, that so, it was going to be awesome. Okay, all right. Well, I, I was doing like an all encompassing, like no, no matter your expectation, most oh yeah, all right. But, but, no, but I see what you're this, saying now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's one of two movies I've ever gotten up. And I, I out of. King Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> the second movie I got up and walked out of was They. I pride myself in, a, you know, for for better or for worse, I pride myself on uh, on sticking on staying committed to movies. It takes a lot for me to give up watching it. Um. So I can't, I honestly don't think I ever walked out of the theater. Mm-hmm. I've definitely shut movies off before. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I've, I've shut off. Uh, oh, oh my, I think um, Transformers last night, I never finished because I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I never started. Well, it. <laughs> you know, I just, it was one of those like, oh, let's see what the last one is. Right. Um, so I, I never walked out of a theater. I, I can, I can at least say that. Uh, but yeah, uh, King Arthur, man, that's, that's like one of my guilty, for some reason, not the whole movie, but there's some parts of it. Like there's, that's got a lot of, uh, low key stars in it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And you do, like I said, Clive Owen, Ava Green, you know, you just, you'd think that it would all work. I I like Clive Owen. I think he's a great actor. Most of the movies he's been in, I can't complain about Children of Men is one of my favorite movies that he's ever been in. It's done by one of my favorite directors and writers, Alfonso Cuaron, he's just brilliant. But, uh, and Clive Owen's been in movies like shoot him up, shoot him up. That's a guilty pleasure movie. I want, man, I, that's a movie in its own category. I, I, I tried to describe that movie to somebody one time you, and I was like, the, you can't the, list it in the, a genre. the amount of, of satire is not the right word, but no, just the amount of goofiness and silliness in, in an otherwise serious movie. 
it, it's so stupidly brilliant. Uh, in my opinion, I, I, uh, but, I would rather know, have smoke and aces over that, but whatever. Oh, I love smoke and aces. That's a great movie. Uh, smoke and aces, rock and roll. I'd much rather have those types of movies. Definitely. But shoot, shoot them up. But I, I like Clive Owen. So when you go into this movie, I'm just, I, it, it was disappointing, unfortunately. Um, well, I mean, that, so, that was before King, the King Arthur story. That was in a bit of a lull. It became a lot more oversaturated now because they've had a couple more stabs at it, right? Um, yeah. And that Charlie Hunnam uh, terrible... Uh, Excalibur yeah, 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 or whatever. Yeah. No, no, not that one. What's it called? Like, Is it called like Excalibur? King, Ar- King Arthur Legend of the Sword or something like that? I don't know. Something like that, yeah. Um, I, I, there was expectation on some level for King Arthur. And uh, like I said, there were good parts to it, but... You're, you're... but go ahead. No, I, no I'm, go ahead. I'm done. Oh, Okay. Uh, another movie just popped into my mind where I went into it and I was actually pleasantly surprised that I liked it. So Danny and I went and saw um, Pacific Rim. Ah, yes. I will agree with that. I will definitely agree with that. that my, ironically, John, John I came out of that movie just like, I love this movie. Ironically, John Morrow. John Morrow is the guy I saw it with. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Danny just brought it up one day. Uh, He's like, yeah, why don't we go uh, watch this movie? Absolutely. I'm just like, but, but if you told okay. me, and again, the, part of my question has to do with the simple fact that you, it's hard to be pleasantly surprised by something, especially nowadays, without having no prior knowledge or little knowledge about the movie going up. Uh, so, yeah. So if I'd known that like Guillermo del Toro had something to do with it, I might more uh, have more expectation, but I had no, no uh, uh, prior knowledge of this movie at all, other than giant robots fighting King, King Kong style or, or Godzilla style uh, uh, kaiju. Yeah. It just, it, and it kept your interest from beginning to end too. So it's just like eh, pleasantly surprised movie. I, I own that movie. I like to rewatch it at least like once every few months. It's just, it's a good movie. Um, but I like that question. That's a great question. I do have a game I want to play with you just because, uh, I want to see it. Ooh. I like games. Okay. Well, I'll preface this with you're a father. So I, okay. I expect, you know, the answers to, to, to a lot of this. this. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do a trivia game with you here. Your job, okay. your job is to identify who produced it. Produced it. Okay. So we're talking Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks. And then there's a couple of, uh, uh, trick, trick questions in here too. But trick ones. Your job is to identify who produced that. Your father, you should be able to get a lot of these. All right. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of easy ones. Uh, let's say uh, Tangled. Tangled was Disney. Okay. okay. Uh, Coco. Pixar. Oh, doing good. Um, let's say A Bug's Life. Pixar. Okay. What about Ants? Ants was DreamWorks. Um, okay, so you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's try uh, Zootopia. Disney. Okay. Um, Atlantis. Atlantis? Like, the Lost Empire. Oh, uh, that was, yeah, Disney. Okay. Okay. What about Shark Tale? It's a great movie. 
Shark Tale, that one was DreamWorks. Okay, what about what about Osmosis Jones? Osmosis Jones, that one was Uh, I actually don't know that one. Uh, I'll take a stab at it, though. Warner Brothers Animation. You're absolutely right. Oh, my gosh. This man's, nice. man's on fire. All right. All right. How about... How about The Good Dinosaur? Pixar. Okay. And the Aristocats? Disney. Uh, Black Cauldron? Disney. I want to stump you once. I this is great. I did, I thought for sure. Uh, what's well, what's interesting about the Black Cauldron? It's actually the first Disney animated film that did not get a G rating. It was dark. It was very dark. It was even, very even dark at the time. Yeah, it was back before like, you know, Snow White, which was which had its dark moments. What about uh, Rango? Rango is DreamWorks. It's Nickel- no. Nickelodeon. Got him. Yes. Got, Dang. got one. As soon as I said it out loud, I'm like, nope, not Got it. him. All right, here's a difficult one. Who framed Roger okay. Rabbit? All right, so technically, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a touchstone picture, which is owned by Disney. Wow. wow. See, I figured because of all the different characters thrown in there, you... It was a joint venture yes, between yes. Warner Brothers and Touchstone, but Touchstone got the final produ- production rights, and Touchstone is owned by Disney. Absolutely right. What about Iron Giant? Warner Brothers. Yeah. And then, Am I right, Ron? You're right. You're right. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll throw one more at you. Go ahead. You've done so well. Storks. What the hell? Storks? Um... DreamWorks brothers. Okay. All right. I got two off of you. I, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you, Chuck. I've, I've had this, uh, this kind of, cause I don't know. I don't know a lot of these. I know the, uh-huh. um, uh, I didn't expect you to do this well. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, I got a game for you before we call it quits. This is a game we used to play. Well, I mean, everybody plays it, but we used to play it all the time uh, when I was in the Navy on the ship when we were bored, uh, you know, like running cable through the uh, P-Ways and stuff like that. You know, uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> we tried so hard to stump each other. So, you know, the idea is to connect actors in the least amount of movies possible. So your first pairing is going to be George Clooney and John Travolta. George Clooney and John Travolta. Um, let's see. George, the easiest one with George Clooney is, is Ocean's Eleven. I got to jump off of that. Uh, I'm just going to throw something out. Let's just see. Let's see where this takes us. All right. John Travolta was in Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. with. John Travolta was in Pulp Fiction with Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis was in. Oh, Bruce Willis was in George Clooney with uh, in George Clooney with uh, Ocean's uh, Ocean's Twelve. Very good, very good. Uh, there was another way you could have gone too, uh, using Pulp Fiction. So John Travolta was in Pulp Fiction with Quentin Tarantino, who was in From Dust Till Dawn with George Clooney. But I, I like where you were going with that. 
Very nice. Dust, from Dust Till Dawn's a, a low-key George Clooney movie for me. It's just like prior to when he truly had his renaissance, you know? Yeah, it's my least favorite of the George Clooney movies, I would have to say. <laughs> um, all right, so your next pairing is going to be Patrick Stewart and Gina Davis. Patrick Stewart and Gina Davis. Yes, I like to make things difficult for you. Um... I'm going to immediately spiral from Gina Davis to Samuel L. Jackson to help myself out with Long Kiss Goodnight. Okay. Um, now, now that we're in the ballpark, <laughs> um, Samuel L. Jackson was in... Oh, man. This is... This... Because Patrick, Patrick Stewart's a challenging one because all I can come up with is a Star Trek movie right now. Unless, I mean, I don't, I, I didn't see uh, uh, the Emoji movie, and if we're counting voice acting roles, I'm sure there's a bunch of connections in that. No, but I don't no, no. Get... <laughs> Let, let's leave voice acting out of this. All right. Um, Samuel L. Jackson was with John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. John Travolta was with... I don't like these ones because you just sit here and just think for too long. It's like playing Scrabble. Um, <laughs> this will be your last one, so you got this. Sure, sure. Um, John Travolta was with Halle Berry and Swordfish. Halle Berry was with Hugh Jackman in uh, X Men, and or no, with with Patrick Stewart. There you go. (laughs) Good connections. Good connections. Okay. Yeah, I had to go. I had to go the X Men route. I was like, what? What else has Patrick Stewart been in? All right. So before we end this, I do have one final question for you. Don't worry, it's not a Kevin Bacon question. Okay. So the final question is. What is your least favorite movie of all time? Um, uh, can I ask, like, um, are we talking about simply from, like, my, my, I, the, the movie I hated the most watching or just the one that I can't stand just in, in terms of movies in general? <laughs> Let's go with that one. Um, I was about to say I was about to go like Twilight because of what it did for the what it what it did. I don't like I don't dislike Twilight as it as it as itself, yeah. but what it did to the uh, the YA genre uh-huh. and just just completely sat, um, um, saturating the market when it came to like because and, and and beyond that they did the I guess Harry Harry Potter started did Twilight started with the two part finale every. Every uh, um, franchise, it. every franchise thereafter was doing the two-part yeah, sequel. Harry Potter. But, as, but in terms of in terms of my least favorite movie, um, I'm just going to give you the one that I I just hate the most at this point in time. Okay. And it was another one of those that I just we finished it, but it was because we rented it and was like, all right, let's see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, Suburbicon. Oh wow! That, that, um, yeah, not a good movie. <laughs> all, and and going the Matt Damon route, downsizing or downsized. Oh yeah, also a terrible, oh. also a terrible movie. No, uh, that's one I couldn't. But Suburbicon uh, had a lot of hype coming into it because it was um, mm-hmm. it was a George, it was a it was a it was a two parter. It was half of a movie mm-hmm. that was created by George Clooney, and the other part was the Coen Brothers. Now George Clooney, directing wise doesn't have a lot to go but but the coen brothers are untouchable when it comes to 
what they create, right? Yeah. So we're, I, I remember watching it and just waiting for something to happen in this movie. And just nothing seemed to happen in this movie. There were, there were some twists and turns, mind you, but for the most part, it was like a amalgamation uh, because the two parts had nothing to do with each other, mm-hmm. but they were, in, they were stitched in together as if it was telling the same story. George Clooney's part, uh, I think George Clooney's um, part of the movie was just about like, uh, and it's just like set in the 60s, 50s or 60s, I believe. Yeah. A, a black family moving into the neighborhood and just being ostracized at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And then it was connected through the child, uh, the, the, the friendship between the, the white kid across the street and the black kid. Right. Yeah. And the white kid's family was going, Matt, Matt Damon's family was going through this, uh, uh, mobster, uh, revenge thing. And the two just, I, I just remember watching it and, waiting for something good to happen and then just feeling so cheated at the end of it. I think that's what it boils down to is just, I felt so cheated at the end of it, of my time that, uh, it, it just sticks out in my memory as, um, a wasted opportunity, I guess, or, or just a movie that didn't need to be made. Let's put it that way. Oh man. Yes. And it's exactly why my answer to that question is my, the answer to that question. It's a movie that should have never been made. For me, it is Black Snake Moan. What the I, I hell is that? that? <laughs> I actually did see that. And I'm with you. I, I, I don't know why like, it was made like, in hindsight. They, they wanted to make something that was capitalizing on Samuel L. Jackson's fame at the time. Yeah. And and, but Christina, Christina Ricci, even yeah, like, no. I, I, I'm just like. She wasn't a leading lady. And, and then they just kind of like sexualized her. Yeah, it just and, and made that the, the draw. It was so weird to watch, and it was by the time you, the movie's it made over, you uncomfortable. It did. I, this is the other thing: I, movies that make you uncomfortable watching, unless it's like, unless it's you know, like Schindler's List, it's designed to make you uncomfortable, yes, right? Especially with the but, the use of the red coat. Sure, sure. You know, th- those kinds of movies that are designed to be unsettling in a good, in a positive way, yeah. I guess. This is just. This is just meant for for shock and awe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just one of those movies I watched once. I watched it uh, uh, when I was in the Navy and we were underway and stuff like that. They had a movie channel that was just constantly playing movies, and it came on one day, and I'm just like, okay, let's see what this is about. At the end of that, I was like, boy, I'm glad I didn't pay a dime for this damn movie and now i could have been doing something constructive for two hours i'll i'll be honest with you I, and this this is my my friend brian sims in college um love love the guy brian if you're listening i love you but <laughs> you have terrible taste in movies uh, i don't know if it's a curiosity thing or if a boredom maybe he just wanted to see a movie at any given time he had he gave us so many bad movie choices that we went to see in the theater uh, Black Snake Moan being one of them. Uh-huh. Um, Saw being one of the good ones, I guess. Love Saw. But, yeah, but I just remember, what the hell was I, what, what am I watching? Yeah. If, if I had gone to see that in theaters, that would be number three movie that I would have gotten up and walked out of. What was the point of it even? There's like, just because no she point. Was, because she was just like some kind of rambunctious uh, young Girl, yeah, he was right, going to like that, transform that her. Or Samuel L. Like Jackson that. took on took on a, on his own to to 
whip into shape or something, right? Like, I don't... What is a movie as a kid that that you were scared of but wasn't meant to be a scary movie? Oh, snap. Um, I guess for me it was Twister. Oh, you saw it as a kid? Wow. Yeah, I... I remember going to see it in theaters and against, I guess against my parents, better judgment. Um, mm-hmm. That movie scared, scared the crap out of me. I, I lived, have, I lived you have in a history with tornadoes. Did no, you I mean, at that or? point I had never seen a tornado in my entire life. And I lived in an area that is not tornado prone at all. So to have this irrational fear that I would be standing outside one day and this tornado would just drop down on me and destroy my house and like suck me up. Yes. It scared Um, the daylights out of me. I I had an, this is funny. I had a college friend, the same thing. She had an, like an irrational fears are always funny thing, right? Mm -hmm. She had the same thing, an irrational fear of tornadoes. Like what? (laughs) Yeah. I, I didn't experience a tornado until actually Florida of all places. So, I mean, it's just, that's a great I like question. That. I like that. Do you do you have one from your childhood? I I, I do. I do. That's why I asked. Lay it, it. on me. Um, I I well, and and, and I guess it, it was a scary part of the movie. Uh huh. But the overall movie wasn't meant to be scary whatsoever. It's it's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh. <laughs> um, two parts of that movie. Two parts. One is the the large Marge part where he's in the the semi yeah. driving. And she's telling this like spooky story yeah. or whatever. And then her face, like it, it goes all like claymation or something and, and gets gay. The other part. And, and this is the, this is the part I was really getting to where they're trashing his bike. Like he's having this fever dream about these clowns, clowns of all things, yeah. yep. mm. trashing his bike. And it's going through like these different stages of destruction and it's going through a compactor and whatever else. And it's scared. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was really protective of my bike or maybe I just didn't like clowns, but either way it was the most unsettling thing. I don't like clowns. I can't even watch. If I were to rewatch that movie, I'd have to skip over that part. I can't do clowns. When I watched the new It, I had to do it in the middle of the day with all the lights on and all the shades up because I I cannot freaking do clowns. This has been a lot of fun. I love this whole idea of just talking about movies and seeing where it goes. And surprisingly, you know, a lot of our conversations, we've had conversations like this in the past unrecorded. And we typically, I want to say like 90% of the time, hardly ever agree on anything. This, this one went surprisingly well. We, we, t- we, we kind of meshed on this one. So I think uh, we're, we're taking like the, the overarching themes. The moment we start delving into like specific movies, that's when we'll, we'll be able to see the differences. But absolutely, uh, I, I, I still maintain that anything like post 2005, you and I do not agree a lick on. I think once once <laughs> once we got into our adulthood, that's when you started going your own route. My taste in movies have definitely changed as I've become an adult. As I've become an adult, as I've gotten older. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Dan, I look forward to our next conversation. We'll probably try to make it a little bit more movie or filmmaker centric, and we can start diving into more I'll specific take, I'll take the details. Hit on that one. So I'll take the hit on that one. Chuck Chuck actually did give me some time to 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 put put a list together of movies I'd like to talk about. And although I did give you a small list, it wasn't 
wasn't what you're looking for. So I'll take the hit if this gets bad ratings, guys. No, no, no. I'm actually glad we're doing this because I was inspired to do this from the simple fact that I think it would be refreshing and different than instead of just listening about one movie the entire time, if we could just kind of breeze through a bunch of stuff. So I feel like we really did a great job with that this time. But next time, we'll get a little bit more specific. Dan, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to see you. I miss you, buddy. And when this whole pandemic is over, I'd love to either get back up there in DC or you need to get your butt down here. You and I are huggers, man. This is a tough time this to is be a, a hugger. This is a tough time. Uh, all right. So people listening, Dan and I are famous huggers, but <laughs> two of my favorite photos of Dan happen to be, he is a Green Bay Packers fan and I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. And two of the best photos ever gotten of us are when we're hugging each other after the Packers has kicked the Cowboys butts. Very difficult times, but Dan and I have nothing but love for each other. Love. In all due respect to the Cowboys, they, they weren't butt kickings. They were they were last second victories for the most part. I'll, but, yeah. I'll consider them butt kickings because the Cowboys <laughs> just fell apart in these last seconds. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, uh, they didn't deserve to win. Um, thank you guys for joining us for this episode, uh, the special episode of Chuck Goes to the Movies, and uh, join us next time. I have no idea what we'll be talking about, but it'll be awesome. All right, take care.